0: All right, let's study the scripture. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, and I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your kindness. Lord, thank you so much for your word and how you've given it to us in, 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 little, in little chunks here and there. We have revelation. We have a moment. We read it, and then all of a sudden we stumble onto something, and it changes our perspective. Father, we pray that you would do that for us today. Lord, that as we read the scriptures today, we would have a a new perspective of what you're trying to say to us and how you want us to live. Father, we want to obey you. We want to obey your word. And we want to be light in this city and in this generation. That's why we're here. That's why we're studying the scriptures. Give us your spirit to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you know, we're on this uh, series of the book of Philippians, and it's called The Secret of Being Content, and we're looking at the book of Philippians through the passage of Philippians 4, verse 10. So if you look there, we'll see what the Apostle Paul says here at the end of his letter to the believers at Philippi, and he is Very affectionate towards them. He loves them deeply. They've had some incredible experiences together. And so he's saying here in chapter 4, verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. What happened was the the Philippian believers had sent him something and had given him something. Verse 11 says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. If you want to underline it, that's our key verse for this entire series. I have learned, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Verse 12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. When we look at these scriptures, I know that personally, I want to live this way. I wanna live in a way that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what's happening in my family, no matter what's happening here at the church, whether it's difficult, whether there's plenty, or whether there's, there's need, I wanna be able to say, I know the secret. I know the secret of just living a life of contentment. And in our society and in our culture, this is a very difficult thing for any of us to grasp. And so this is so good for us to go through and look at the letter to these believers in Philippi and see what the Apostle Paul says to them. We're going to start today in Philippians chapter 2. So turn over to chapter 2, and we're going to read a little portion of Scripture here, and we're going to find one of the secrets of living in contentment. Verse one says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose." Now, if you, if you see this here as the opening to this very important passage, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have probably read this passage because this is a real foundational passage on the divinity of Christ and on his work because the Apostle Paul is going to begin to describe what kind of attitude Jesus had and what he went through. But that means that sometimes we skip over this very important introduction to this part of the passage because we're moving from the apostle Paul saying that you've gone through suffering and I've gone through suffering and we can both make it because we can we can live with the power of the Holy Spirit in us if you look at verse 29 28 um, 27 here of chapter one he's moving from encouraging them to living a life worthy of the calling that you've received and he said, we're all suffering. You're suffering and you realize that I'm suffering. But look, Jesus Christ can make you strong. He says, uh, for it has been granted to you to behalf of Christ, not just to believe in him, but also suffer for him. And he says, since this is true, here's the way I want you to live. He says, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any sharing of the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Now look at this. Make my joy complete being like minded. Have a similar mindset. Have love for one another like Christ had for you. Be one of his spirit and of one mind. Work together. Now, here's the question Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you get along with other people? Can we learn how to serve one another? Can we, as a bunch of different believers with different backgrounds, some of you are from, are from uh, religious backgrounds, and you, you grew up in a church where religion was really about works, and if you did good ones, then you believed God liked you, and if you didn't do good ones, then you were in trouble. Some of you have no religious affiliation whatsoever, and you're here just re- realizing for the first time, this is crazy, you mean this God thing is real? Yes, it is. All of us come from different backgrounds. The power, the miracle of the Holy Spirit in us and working in us is different people coming together for one purpose. Thinking, thinking the same way, loving each other, loving each other and serving each other. The Apostle Paul gives us an insight into how this can happen. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, oh, that's a big deal. Being united with Jesus Christ, that means Christ is in you. You are in him. You have his same power residing in you that lives in you. If you have encouragement from being united with Christ, so are you united with Christ would be the question. Are you united with Christ? And if you are, then the answer is you can do anything Christ did. He says, if you're united with Christ, you have encouragement. Or you have, another way to say it would be, you have courage. You have courage. If you're united with Christ, if you you have any comfort from His love, the question would be, do you have comfort from the love of Christ? Do you feel comforted by His love? Do you feel protected? If you have any common sharing in the Spirit, the Spirit of God, do we share in the Holy Spirit and His work here on the earth today? The answer would be yes. If you have tenderness and compassion like Jesus had. If you have the Spirit living within you. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. You have all these benefits. You have all of these Opportunities to engage with Christ, to engage with His Spirit. He lives in you. You live in Him. You are sealed in Him, and now you really can live together in harmony, in love. I'm not talking about um, I'm not talking about just a, a, a something that 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 we that we embrace, kind of like a robotic. Uh, you know, we all are in lockstep together. You know, this is just it, and this is the way we believe, and, 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 and if I believe any differently than you, then we don't get along. That's not what he's saying. It's actually people f- of diverse backgrounds. It's actually people who believe a lot of different things that actually come together under the banner of Christ, believe that he is the only son of God, that we are all born again, and the scriptures are the word of God. And when we believe that together, we can really live together in harmony And so, this is an important idea. We shouldn't just skip over it. God's given you all of these things. And he's saying, I want you to be like-minded. I want you to have love for one another. I want you to be one in spirit and purpose. And then he moves on and he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves. There's all kinds of really powerful little phrases in there. I want to encourage you to get your pen and to get a little piece of paper and write these notes down. Nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility. Underline that word. Big key phrase today. In humility, value others above yourselves. Do nothing. Not, not looking in your in your own to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others. I want to tell you, there's a mindset that the Apostle Paul is trying to challenge these Philippian believers to have. He's trying to get them to look at one another from a different perspective. He's trying to get them to mature in what they believe. He's trying to challenge them to see things differently than they do. Now, I'm sure you've probably heard of this, but There's something called the law of little ones. People who are children, people who are immature, they see things from a different point of view. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, come up here. I want you to live in maturity. I want you to live in Christ like like he's calling you to live. And so my kids, the process that I'm in with my kids, I have five children. The oldest is 17, then I have a 15-year-old, then a 12-year-old, then a 6-year-old, and then a 4-year-old. And um, thank you. And 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 we have four boys and one girl. The girl's right in the middle. And so what I'm doing in this process is I'm trying to teach them. I'm trying to take them from a baby, all the way up, to live not for themselves, to live for someone else. The first place we're supposed to learn this is in the family. This is, this is part of the problem with our uh, with our society, right? Is the family is breaking apart at the seams, and the struggle is we're not getting the kind of training that we need. In fact, we have a entire divorce culture. Our parents were divorced, and so they felt guilty, so they gave us all kinds of stuff instead of teaching us how to live for others. Mine didn't, but I've seen others who have. <laughs> <laughs> There's, a, there, there's, this, there's this process where the family's kind of breaking apart, and so we have this cultural guilt that sort of floats around out here and getting what we want is, or, or, teach, or giving kids what they want is what happens when in reality the family is supposed to p- teach people how to get along with each other. It's where we learn how to actually fight and fight fair. So many people are afraid to fight. They're afraid of conflict. They're afraid of diversity. Because of what it means. The Apostle Paul is saying, no, you can be diverse, but you come together in one heart and one mind and one spirit, one purpose. He's saying, and here's how you do this. Don't do things out of your own selfish ambition. Don't do do everything thinking about what you can get, what you can accomplish. Think about others. Make sure you're interested in others. And as you're interested in others, it begins to mature you. But... I don't know if you've heard, children aren't really for my own parental fulfillment. (laughs) When they're born, they really don't do anything for you. (laughs) They really don't do it. They don't do anything for you for many, many years. (laughs) Occasionally, now that my two oldest are teenagers, you know, they, they they will do things for me. Mostly I have to tell them to do it, but they do things. They're starting to learn. They're starting to understand what it means to live for other people. Here's the laws of the little ones, all right? I like this. If, here's what a little one says. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. if it looks like mine, it's mine. (laughs) If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's definitely mine. (laughs) If you lay it down, it's mine again. If it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) What we're trying to do in the church, in the body of Christ, what the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage these believers, what we're doing in a family is we're trying to raise people up to see life from a different perspective. To see it through the lens of others and not just of yourself. Now what that means is, it means you need your own healing, your own view, your past healed. You need to be put together sometimes in a new way because you've got history or violations in your past. And Jesus has the power to do that for you. He is the supreme example, as we'll see here in just a moment. The example of how to lay your life down for others. There's a phrase that I like to use to demonstrate this idea. And it is this. The entire population... Of the world, with one exception, one minor exception, is composed of others. The entire population of the world, with one minor exception, is composed of others. If you don't settle that the world is full of others, it, it's not. It doesn't just revolve around you. You will have a difficult, difficult life. Look at what First Peter five, five says. If you want to turn over there in your Bibles, turn over there to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Because I think what we want to do is we want to key in on this idea of what pushes back against selfish ambition and vain conceit. And the idea is humility. The thing that the Apostle Paul is highlighting here is humility. He says here in verse 5, he says, In the same way, you who are younger... Submit yourselves to your elders. <laughs> That's a good scripture. Shall we read that again? In the same way you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, notice that little passage. Right, put a little underline in that space. All of you. All of you clothe yourselves with what? All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because... God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Now, this is a key scripture for m- me in my life. When things aren't going quite right in my life, one of the first questions I ask is this one. God, have I, have I kind of gotten full of myself and I didn't even recognize it? Because here's the problem. Pride always sneaks up on you. And you can recognize it if you ever say anything like this. Well, how dare they? Dot, dot, dot. When you begin to think like that, when you begin to think, can you believe that they did that? You Be careful. Because you may be slipping into a a, self-absorption, a mindset that says the world revolves around you. So, Here's what, here's what Peter says. He says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. See, I want favor in my life. I want God's favor in everything that I do. And so I want to live with humility. I want to live with the idea that God is in control of it all, and I'm not. Did you catch that? I want to live with the idea that God is actually in control, and God is in charge and I'm not. Uh, But but then you say, well, then why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so much, so many bad things that happen to me from time to time? Well, if you believe that God is the just judge, and there will be a day when every heart will be laid open before him, and he will evaluate them, then you can rest secure in knowing that God is in charge. So he says, God opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. And then he adds this little phrase, that he may lift you up in due time. First thing I want you to see about this passage is that we all have the responsibility of clothing ourselves with humility. But that's your responsibility, not mine. Now here's the deal. If God has to humble you, you're in trouble, (laughs) If you humble yourself, he doesn't have to humble you. You humble yourself. You fall on your face. You pray and fast. You seek his face. You serve other people. You clothe yourselves with humility. You put on humility yourself. You see the world the way God sees it. Humility means that you realize that you're not necessarily always the one who's in control of everything. And really, this is pretty much the fundamental idea behind humility because I think if you can give up control if you can realize that you're not in charge then you can settle who you are and how you live now I'm not talking about I'm not talking about being a a whiny kind of wimpy I'm not talking about weakness I'm talking about controlled strength I'm talking about realizing that you are in Christ. He is in you. You are in Him. You have everything that He has, but you're yielded to His direction and His guidance. And as you control that strength, it's not weakness, it's controlled strength. And as that you control that strength, not wimpy, not whiny, but determined to trust in God no matter what. Determined to trust in God no matter what. Look at Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 if you want to turn over there in your bibles Luke 14 verse 7 this is Jesus and he's talking about this idea of being lifted up see here's the problem with a lot of us is we we want to be hum- humility sounds a good like a good idea until <clears throat> until you actually have to do it And I could stand here and I could say to this crowd today, I could say, all right, ready? Everybody, are you ready? Ready? Here it comes. Ready? Here it is. Be humble. Go ahead. You can't do it, can you? You know why? Because humility requires action. Humility requires that you do something to demonstrate it. There's no way... Around it. Here's what Jesus said. He said, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. (laughs) What? (laughs) No way. Somebody more important than me? That is impossible. Verse 9 says, if so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, keyword here, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. Just pause right here. This is, this is the idea that when God has to hu- humble you, it's, it usually results in a, a certain amount of humiliation. You can choose it. You can choose humility or humiliation. Your choice. Verse 10 says, But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Just think about that concept for a second. It's a bit backwards from our culture and our society. Because what it says is that you don't have to push for your position and climb over other people. It says that you can humble yourself and rely on God to lift you up. I'm not talking about laziness. I'm not talking about not going out and... Working hard and being a good steward of what you've got. Those are, all, those are a part of, all part of the deal. But there is this sense in humanity of conquering. This sense of I have, to, I have to make my own place. I have to position myself just so in order to get what I want. We're all susceptible to it. I've kind of decided that humility may be the key to everything. <laughs> Think about this. Think about this. Think about, the key, think about humility as the key to everything. If you're humble, you're not easily offended. If you think about it, the humble, they're not easily offended. They don't, they don't walk around and people, oh, can you believe they said that to me? I can't believe. No, they're just, the world doesn't revolve around them. It's all right. The humble don't think more highly of themselves than they should. Humble people are willing to serve wherever there's a need. No job is too small for them. The humble forgive easily. You know, I'm sure they were having a bad day. It's okay. I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm talking about trusting in the work of Christ in you to be humble and to be willing to forgive easily when someone violates you. Not because you just want to keep taking it because you feel so bad about yourself. I'm talking about a genuine humility like Christ that you embrace his work and he's working in you and you are humbling yourself so much so that when somebody misses it, when somebody violates you, you're okay to recognize it, to say it happened, to say that there is a need for forgiveness and then to forgive freely. I think Jesus said something like this, freely you have received, freely give. Then the humble think of others. They just think about other people. They're just aware of what, uh, what's going on around them. Humble people are content. They can be content because they know God's working, because they know he's in charge of their position and success. They can be content with what they have because they know that there's something coming, that God is in charge. Notice, Notice. let's go back to Philippians Back to Philippians. Let's notice what Jesus did. You see it, we're not doing anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. That is crazy. Consider other people better than yourselves. Now, hold on just a second. What if they're not better than you? (laughs) What if they're actually worse than you? I think Jesus' point is, consider them better than you and serve them. I think his point is consider them as if they were better than you and then begin to love them, begin to serve them, begin to help them become who God wants them to be. Do you see that? Here let's move on to the next part of the passage verse 5 here's what it says, it says in your relationships with one another In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. One of the passages says attitude that Christ Jesus has. Who being in very nature God. The word there for nature is form. The original word is he had the form of God. He was God in form. God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. As we look at Jesus taking these steps down, being willing to serve you and me, What the Apostle Paul here is saying, I want you to embrace the same mindset. The mindset that is in Christ, it can be in you. The attitude that Jesus had, I want you to have that attitude as well. And he's not just saying it as a cerebral thing. Like, I want you to think this way. No, he's actually going deeper than that. He's saying, I want you to adopt it as a way of looking at life. I want you to adopt it as a way of seeing what I'm doing in the earth. And I want you to see it as something that you can embrace. He says, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I like this phrasing in the new NIV. Jesus had all of the qualities of God. And yet, did not decide to use them to his own advantage. You've heard people talk about Jesus being on the cross, and he could have called, I think the song says, 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He died for you and for me. He gave himself. He didn't use his godness to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. The the passage here, what it means is he emptied himself. You can write that in your notes. He emptied himself. He let everything go. He emptied himself of everything by taking two things. By doing two things, he took took on the nature or the form of a servant and he was made in human likeness. He became human. Verse 8 says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Jesus became like us in his identity. He took on the identity of a human. That was a long jump. It was a long leap from his divinity. But what, what, we, what we see Jesus doing is not keeping his own mindset as God, he actually released that and allowed himself to be identified as a human. He allowed himself to be identified as a human. And you and I, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is he wants us to be willing to be identified with a servant, identified with humbling ourselves identified with even being wronged even being wronged Luke chapter 6 Jesus is teaching and he says if someone strikes you on the cheek turn the other if someone asks you to carry his your cloak his cloak give him your coat as well Jesus is teaching something that is so hard for us to understand because we live in an individualistic society. We live according to different rules. We think we have our rights, and our rights are so important to us, and there's no doubt about them. We live in a great country, and you do have rights, and they're wonderful things. But here's the thing Jesus did, is he gave up all his rights. He gave them all up. And what he asks you to do is being willing to give up all of your rights, all your demands, everything that you want to use to your advantage. He wants you to give up and trust Him. He wants you to serve. He wants you to serve others. He wants you to give yourself to others. Jesus is interested in others. Here's the thing I want to leave you with today is the Philippians 2 attitude. This section. Jesus is showing us how to live. Now, the world, the world lives in a different scheme, and Jesus tells us about that scheme in Mark chapter 10, verse 41. Why don't you go there real quick? Mark chapter 10, verse 41. Mark chapter 10 is over to the left. Are you with me? Is everybody with me? Mark chapter 10, verse 41. It says, when the ten heard about this, now what was this? When they heard about what? Well, they heard about John, uh, James and John wanting to be, uh, receive a position on the left hand and the right hand of Jesus when he became king. So they were upset. He said, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. In other words, he says, this is how the Gentiles work. This is how, this is how the, the world works. They lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It takes a tremendous amount of faith to believe that God can lift you up when you choose to lay yourself down. But it is the, that faith that pleases Him so much. It is that faith that makes you so strong. Notice, this is how the world works. Look at this. If you see, you got you got a guy in charge. There he is. That's me. There I am. I'm in charge. <laughs> and I want to begin to dominate people. So then some more people, oh yeah, I'm in charge of these two guys. That's awesome. And then some more people come, and we got to make sure that they know that we're in authority over them. Make sure that they know who's boss. And then it keeps going and going, and people keep kind of f- sitting at the top of the, uh, of the chain here, and of the pyramid, and they're saying, I'm in charge. And, and here's what happens. Look, this little guy down here, see that one of those little guys down there? You know what he does? He tries to keep pushing. He tries to keep jumping. I got to get up here, and then I got to get up a little bit more. I got to get the raise, I got to get the promotion. I got to I got to get in charge of something. That's how I know I have success. So they keep crawling on each other and they keep stomping on each other and they keep pushing each other down trying to get up on top of the mountain. Did you ever play King of the Mountain when you were kids? I've played it since I was adult. It's not as fun. It actually hurts more. This is the way, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying this is how it works in the world. This is what it looks like, is we climb on top of each other and we try to make things happen and we push down and we make people and we stomp down on it and then we're way up here. Ooh, Are you scared? This is not scary. Look. (laughs) I'm pretty good. I'm telling you, I can preach the rest of the way up here. Notice I can't can't turn around. And so, so oh look, see, I've got a pointer. So we keep trying to get up and over and on top and push people down. Jesus is saying, that's not the way the kingdom works. Thank you. Here's the way it works. Here's the way Jesus did it. All right? Here it is. got all these people all over the world in need, starving, being challenged, confused, don't know which way to go, don't know where to turn. And our job is to begin to serve them, to get underneath them to go down below them and begin to lift them up to begin to serve them go ahead keep putting putting it and and as we serve more and more people as you become more skilled hang on right there as you become more skilled and you become have more opportunity you get to serve more and more people that's the way the kingdom works is as you go lower as you yield your life to God's purpose and God's desire i mean think think for a second of mother teresa this little humble woman of no special skill except loving children, loving people. How in the world does it happen that she has known the world over for laying her life down, for laying her life down and serving people that are in great need? Something happened as she began to lay her life down. Something happened as she began to serve others. And as we serve more and more people, we go lower and lower and we yield more and we surrender more. And finally, just like Jesus, we surrender obediently, even unto death, even losing our lives. And we come all the way down here and we really become like Christ. Jesus, Jesus is the one that serves all of us. And the goal is to work ourselves down. The goal is to work ourselves down into more and more serving, more and more lifting, more and more encouragement and, and, and sharing with others. To think of others' interests above our own. And as we do it, we get to serve more people. And Jesus said that when you do that, you become greatest in the kingdom. You become greatest in the kingdom. John Maxwell has a great principle, the great leadership writer. It's called the elevator principle. He says, We can lift people up or we can take people down. People can be the wind beneath our wings or they can be the anchor on our boat. Could I ask you, which one are you today? Are you the wind beneath others' wings or are you the anchor to the boat? How do you serve your family? How do you serve your kids? How do you you function at work? Jesus taught us to be humble, to surrender, to yield, to lay our lives down. And as we do, then he begins to lift us up. Just like the stories we've read today, God is in charge of our position and of our success. We can let him, we can trust him with it. It may not be the exact thing that you wanted, but it will be what he wanted. And as you surrender to him, you find fulfillment, and he begins to to lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up. Look at what Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says. It's the end of our passage today. Philippians 2, 9 says, Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When When God lifts you up, you never have to apologize. When God takes you and he puts you in a in a position of leadership and you see it through the lens of serving through the lens of laying your life down people just want to people just want to keep seeing you be lifted up because they know what it means it means that their lives are being helped it means th- you're serving them it means that their lives are getting more meaning more purpose Something has happened, and you can see it in the people that you love, the people that you've watched lay down their lives. You want to be around them. You want them to be part of your life. You, you know people that make you better, that add something to your life. This is the kind of person that Jesus wants us to be. Christ was worshiped and exalted as a result of humbling himself and obeying his Father. And here's what I want to leave you with, the essence of contentment, the essence of the idea of being satisfied in Christ knowing that you can do anything that he gives you. No task is too difficult, but the essence of contentment is fulfillment in serving others and faith that God will lift you up. Faith that God is in charge and that he is working for you. When you embrace humility, you find contentment. There's no doubt there's a war on. There's a war that goes on. But as you conquer your own flesh and your own desires and your own designs and you find the fulfillment that God has for you in living for others and in the faith and the trust that only comes when you put your confidence in him, something changes in your life and you are content. You are satisfied with what God's given you. Close your eyes and bow your heads this morning and let's pray together. Father, I love the scriptures. I love what you're teaching us. I thank you for how you are causing us to see the world from a different perspective. Would you continue to help us, everyone in this room, to think the same way, to live the same way, to love each other and to serve others. To be in this place where we are of one mind and one spirit and one purpose. Would you help each one of us to serve our families well? To embrace humility as you did. Not to demand our own way. Not to try to conquer others, but to conquer ourselves. We receive from you. We receive from you.